Hi and welcome to this podcast from 1914-1918war.com In this episode we'll be continuing our reading of Bruce Band's father's Bullets and Billets. We're up to 22. As always, please subscribe. There are various ways of following the project. You can find us on Twitter at www.daybyday. You can find more at Substack at 1914-1918.substack.com. That's 1914-1918 Substack. Um, You can find us on Medium, all over the place. Uh, Anyway, subscribe and enjoy Chapter 22. Chapter 22. A daylight stalk, the disused trench. Did they see me? A good sniping position. Our farm was, as I've remarked, a mile from the trenches at the nearest part, and about a mile and a half from the furthest. Wolf again was about half a mile behind the farm. As time went on at these douve trenches, I became more and more familiar with the details of the surrounding country. For each day I used to creep out of the farm, and when I had crossed the moat by a small wooden bridge at the back, I would go off into the country nearby, looking at everything. One day the colonel expressed a wish to know whether it was possible to get up into our trenches in daytime without being seen. Of course, anyone could have gone to the trenches and been momentarily seen here and there and could have done so fairly safely and easily by simply walking straight up, taking advantage of what little cover there was. But to get right up without showing at all was rather a poser as all cover ceased about a hundred yards behind the trenches. The idea of trying attracted me. One morning I crept along the ragged hedge on the far side of the moat which led to the river and started out for the trenches. I imagined a German with a powerful pair of binoculars looking down on the plain from the Messine hill with nothing better to do than to see if he could spot someone walking about. Keeping this possibility well in mind, I started my stalk up to the trenches with every precaution. I crept along amongst the trees bordering the river for a considerable distance, but as one neared the trenches these got wider apart, and as the river wound about a lot there were places where to walk from one tree to the next one had to walk parallel to the German trenches, and quite exposed, though of course at a considerable range off. I still bore in mind my imaginary picture of the gentleman's with the binoculars though. So, I got down near the water's edge and moved along, half concealed by the bank. Soon I reached the farms, and by dodging about amongst the scattered shrubs and outhouses, here and there crawling up a ditch, I got into one of the farm buildings. I sat in it amongst a pile of old clothes, empty tins and other oddments, and had a smoke, thinking the while on how I could get from these farms across the last bit of open space, which was the most difficult of all. I finished my cigarette and began the stalk again. Another difficulty presented itself. I found that it was extremely difficult to cross from the second last farm to the last one, as the ground was completely open, 
and rather sloped down towards the enemy. This was not apparent when looking at the place at night, for one never bothers about concealment and one walks anywhere and anyhow, but now the question was how to do it. I crept down to the river again and went along there for a bit, looking for a chance of leaving it under cover for the farm. Coming to a narrow, cart-rutted lane a little further on, I was just starting to go up it when suddenly a bright idea struck me. An old zigzag communication trench, a relic of a bygone period, left the lane on the right and apparently ran out across the field to within a few yards of the furthest farm. Once there, I had only a hundred yards more to do. I entered the communication trench. It was just a deep, narrow slot cut across the field and had, I should imagine, never been used. I think the enormous amount of water in it had made it a useless work. I saw no sign of it ever having been used. A fearful trench it was, with a deep deposit of dark, green, filthy, watery mud from end to end. This, I could see, was the only way up to the farm. So I made the best of it. I resigned myself to getting thoroughly wet through. Quite unavoidable. I plunged into this unwholesome clay ditch and went along, each step taking me up to my thighs in soft, dark ooze. Whilst here and there the water was so deep as to force me to scoop out holes in the clay at the side when, by leaning against the opposite side, with my feet in the holes, I could slowly push my way along. In time I got to the other end and sat down to think a bit. As I sat, a bullet suddenly whacked into the clay parapet alongside of me, which stimulated my thinking a bit. Had I been seen? I tried to find out and reassure myself before going on. I put my hat on top of a stick and brought it up above the parapet at two or three points to try and attract another shot. But no, there wasn't another. So I concluded the first one had been accidental and went on my way again. By wriggling along behind an undulation in the field and then creeping from one tree to another, I at last managed to get up into our reserve trenches. I obtained my first daylight close-up view of our trenches, German trenches and general landscape, all laid out in panorama style. In front of me were our front-line trenches, following the line of the little stream which ran into the Douve on the right. On the far right of the stream the ground gently rose in a long slope up to Messines, where you could see a shattered mass of red brick buildings with the old grey tower in the middle. At a distance of about two to four hundred yards away lay the German trenches parallel to ours, their barbed wire glistening in the morning sunlight. This place I'm in is a pretty good place for a sniper to hitch up, I thought to myself. Can see everything there is to be seen from here. After a short stock-taking of the whole scene, I turned and wallowed my way back to the farm. Some few days later, they did make a sniper's post of that spot, and a captain friend of mine, with whom I spent many quaint and dismal nights in Saint-Avon, occupied it. He was the star shot of the battalion, an expert sniper, and I believe made quite a good bag. And on that slightly grim note, uh, for those of us uh, approaching this with modern eyes, uh, we will leave it for today. Uh, I guess war can be a pretty grim business. If you've enjoyed this, uh, one new thing that you might like to try 
Um, I've started a Substack newsletter over at 1914-1918.substack.com. That's 1914-1918.substack.com. Thank you very much for listening, and I look forward to seeing you next time on the pod. Goodbye.